Good morning, everybody. Uh, hello. I hope everybody's staying safe and healthy and locked down at home, but still studying, reading, enjoying time with the family, and keeping in mind what our scriptures have taught us. Uh, we spent some time, Lou. Hi, Lou. How are you? How are we doing? It's a very good, good. time for this type of work, isn't it? It's a very good time yes, to dive it is. into this. It is. Yeah. I, last time, Lou and I were talking uh, about uh, how the scriptures, how the Gita essentially says that every so often something like this, like the coronavirus, is going to happen, is going to come about. And I was talking to somebody and they had some arguments, questions about it. And then I gave them another example of a forest fire. Mm. Uh, how, you know, basically right now, uh, much as we don't like it, much as I'm not talking about fires that are lit because of people who uh, carelessly throw a cigarette in the fire uh, in the forest or whatever. Right. But even without that, even before man was ever around, there used to be forest fires. There would be lightning and that would strike something and that would start a fire and then fire would burn down. Basically, that was nature's way. If you want to call it nature, you can say nature's way of getting rid of some of the trees, making room for new, fresh trees, etc. Right. And that's how the world survives. That's how Ishwar, that's how the Atman, the self, God, the Lord, makes everything go around. It, 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 when things get to a certain limit, changes are made for whatever those changes are, whether we understand them or not. And sometimes you call it chaos, but mm -hmm. then you have a chaos theory that explains why these things happen. Right, Lou? One of my favorite theories, yes. I love chaos theory. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about um, chapter 4, verse 11, 12, and 13 in this episode. And this whole segment from verse 11 to verse 18 in chapter 4 talks about the relationship between our actions which we have to perform. We can't even go a second, a millisecond in life without acting because even a thought is mm -hmm. considered an action. Uh, thinking that I'm not thinking anything is also an action. Yes. So um, how our actions are related to our Atman? Because sometimes people misunderstand. They say, well, God, why did you make me do this? God didn't make us do this. You did it. Right. And that's an important clarification that we must make here, something that all of us need to understand, that the, the electricity in you, I call it electricity, but it's really yourself, the Atman within you is enlivening you, like electricity enlivens an, a light bulb, like electricity enlivens a, uh, a computer. But the computer doesn't have any life in it, the ability to work or do anything until that electricity comes inside the computer. Did I say that right? Uh, or did yes. I mix it up? No, I think you're fine. Yeah. Okay. So the electricity gives the life to the computer. The computer has its own abilities to transform data into certain things. But it's the electricity that without it, the computer can't work. So similarly, we have an Atman within us that makes us do things does sorry gives us the life the ability to do things right but it's our mind our body our intellect that decides what we're going to do right right so the example that gautam jain gives a lot 
that Swami Parthasarthi gives a lot is of a car and il in petrol, gas in it. When the car is being driven, the gas, the petrol in it, is the one that gives it the ability to move. Right. Not the driver. Without the petrol, without the gas, I call it petrol because there's a lot of people in India listening to this, and yes. uh, gas to them means natural gas, propane right. gas. Yep. So they call it petrol. Over here, we call it gas. Um, without the gas, the car won't move. The driver can't make it move. But in that example, such a beautiful example, because you can have a small car, you can have a big truck. You could have a driver that's a safe driver. You can have a driver that is a rash, reckless driver. Mm -hmm. The car can get into an accident, or it can be the safest car around, depending on how the car, the car is driven. But the petrol, the gas, has nothing to do with that, right? Right. So the other example that the Gautam Jain gives is that of the sun. Like the sun is beating down on entire humanity, plants, animals, everything. But the sun makes us live. Without the sun, we wouldn't be here. We right. wouldn't be able to do anything. But the sun doesn't determine what actions we're going to take. So that's an important thing to remember in terms of the Atman. Don't get lost in the examples. Use that right. to take back to the Atman. So the verse 11 says, Howsoever men, howsoever men approach me, with a capital M, even so do I, with a capital I, satisfy them. Men tread my path in all ways. So here Krishna is referring to himself as the Atman, the mm -hmm. self. What he's saying is that no matter how you approach me, you have an Atman inside you, my friend, mm -hmm. and you approach that Atman to say, I want to do something. You're deciding how to do it, and Atman says, hey, however you want to approach me, I'll satisfy you because right. I'm just there like petrol. You're the driver. You decide where you want to go, how fast you want to go, how many risks you want to take. Right. I'm just giving you the gas, the petrol, the impetus to move. You get into an accident, that's your problem. Yep. Uh, that then becomes your karma, which then goes into your next life or this future of this life. But that's still your doing, right? Right. Depending on how you've done, the next time you'll get a better car or a better body or a better life, or not such a good car. The quality of your car, your speed, etc., depends on other things. But the driver itself is the one who determines what's going to happen to his journey. So a terrorist can use the same Atman to kill people because right. he believes what he's doing is right. A saint kills nobody, does only good things. It's the same Atman in both of them. We'd be surprised. The uh, world believes that a soul is different in one individual versus another individual. It's really the same. It's mm -hmm. everywhere. Atman is, there's not a micromillimeter where the Atman is not present. It's inside us, outside us, everywhere. And it's the same in me as opposed to the person next to me. The same Atman. Mm -hmm. There's no difference. So... The Atman says, you decide, you want to be a terrorist or you want to be a saint. It's entirely up to you. Whichever way 
man decides he wants to go, howsoever men approach me, even so do I satisfy them. So yeah. you decide you want to kill a lot of people, are you going to be satisfied if you do that? Atman says, I'll go along with you, I'll give you the enlivening power, but you decide if you're satisfied with that, up to you. Men tread my path in all ways. So the son says, you can decide how you want to live your life, how you want to grow as a tree, as a bush, whatever. It's entirely up to you. I'm just the son. Mm -hmm. Nothing you do affects me. That's the other thing, that nothing we do affects the sun or the petrol or the electricity. Whatever the computer does, it doesn't affect the electricity. It just keeps charging you back and forth. So that was verse 11. Verse 12. Verse 12 says, hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Verse 12 says, um, those, they who long for success in action here, sacrifice to the gods with a small g for quickly indeed success is born of action in the human world Hmm. so he makes a distinction here between human world which is us right and non-human world and he's saying that if you long for success from your actions you sacrifice to the gods because by doing that success will be very quick to you because of your action in the human world. So the scriptures constantly speak of one God, the Gita, the Upanishads. There's no question anywhere. There's no question that there's only one God. A lot of people think that in the Hindu religion, because they speak of so many gods, Mm -hmm. that it's a polytheistic religion. It's not. It's a monotheistic religion. There's only one God, and they call him by different, it, him, by different names, Ishwar, or different names. But there's only one God. Very important to keep in mind. However, they, the ancient masters of the religion, uh, said that, people's mind is lured away by the temptations of the world. And so how to bring it back? You look at something, you say, wow, this is great. Your mind goes there. You forget about God. You forget about your real purpose in life. And they said, so what we'll do is we'll plant a God wherever your mind goes. If it goes towards wisdom or knowledge, we'll plant a God there. It goes towards wealth. You think about money, money, money all the time. We're going to plant a goddess over there. We're going to plant, goes towards this, going to plant a God or a goddess there. So each one has a certain God or goddess that you say, wow, and if I'm a businessman and I'm concerned about money, then there's Lakshmi. And uh, every businessman has a a, a photograph or a picture of Lakshmi in their home and they pray to it, bow to it, because he's always thinking of money. So this was the uh, ancient master's way of pulling their mind back from right. yeah. the money and onto the god or goddess. So he says, those who long for success in action here, sacrifice to the gods, for quickly indeed success is born of action in the human world. What he's meaning is you sacrifice to that god, to that to your deed. So if you are a businessman and you're thinking in terms of wanting to be a success in your business, what do you have to do? You have to sacrifice, right? Right. You have to sacrifice to that God of business or wealth, and you have to sacrifice your personal desires. So your other desires get sacrificed. Your wife says, hey, today we're going to go on a, on a trip. And you say, you go. 
I got work to do, right? right? Kids say, Daddy, can you play with me? You say, no, you play. Play with your mom. I have work to do. Right. What are you doing? You're sacrificing your desire to play with the kids or to go with your wife so that your business will uh, be more successful and you will make money. So you're sacrificing to the gods for success in your action. And he's also adding that quickly, indeed, success is born of action in the human world. Mm -hmm. So he's saying this part is easy. You're talking about success coming to the Atman. That's a whole other story. That's not easy. But making money in this world, any fool can make it is what he's implying. He yeah. says all you have to do is to sacrifice. Work hard, give up your desires for other things, and you'll be successful. Whether that's true or not, that's debatable. I mean, if you want to be successful to be an Olympic athlete, but you're a puny, right. uh, you're not going. No matter how much you sacrifice, you're not going to be. As long as your goals are realistic, what he's saying is, if you have realistic goals, if you sacrifice, it's easy to achieve. Compared to what is more difficult is achieving and getting this knowledge, so you can progress. Uh, and get to the self. You're not going to get there in one lifetime. It's going to take multiple lifetimes. But every little bit you put in goes towards uh, that benefit. So, okay, we did all this. Now comes verse 13. And this is an important one for us to think about. That's why I only talked about three uh, verses today uh, for this episode. Chapter 4, verse 13 says, the fourfold caste system, Varna, V-A-R-N-A, Varna, the fourfold caste system was created by me, with a capital M, according to the differentiation of gunas and action. Though I, I meaning Atman, am its author, know me to be the non-doer and uh, immutable. So he's talking about the fourfold caste system, which Indians are criticized for a lot. We can talk a lot about this because this was not formalized as having been a caste system until the British came to India. Yeah. The British wanted to do a census, and they wanted, went to every village, and they said, what, what do you belong to? And they said, what caste? And people said, I don't know what you're talking about. So the British, and there's a whole books written on this, articles written on it, if you're interested, where this caste system in India became formalized. Until that time, the ancient sages and masters said that our society should be divided into people who revel, who, who excel in what they, their own nature is making them good at. So what their gunas, what their nature is like, that's what they should do. For example, they said that, let me go back to uh, an example that Gautam Jain gave us. He said, if you're working in a company and you're the CEO mm -hmm. and you need somebody to be the accountant, he says, you're going to pick somebody who's good in accounting, who's good in math, who's good in calculations, and who's very obsessive and compulsive about numbers, neat, clean, everything is accurate. Right. Am I right? Yes. 
you're not going to sit there with somebody who's sitting there like a dreamer and thinking, wow, I can do advertising by this. This would be great advertisement, etc. Because right. he's planning graphics and uh, computer graphics and how to make a catchy uh, song about the company. That person is good for advertising and marketing, not good for accounting. Right. So he says, you're going to pick the right person to be the uh, advertising manager, the right person to be the accountant, to be the right person to be the security guard who protects you from uh, anybody who comes in to, to hold up the bank or whatever it is that you need the security guard there for. Right. So what they said was, make sure you pick the person that has the right qualities. So they divided society, they said, into four different varnas or uh, abilities based on your gunas. So the four uh, castes that are now called castes were Brahmin, Kshatriya, Vaishya, and Shudra. So the Brahmins were the priests, the intellectual people, the teachers. The Kshatriyas were the warriors, the fighters, the kings, the princes. The Vaishyas were the traders, the businessmen, the one who traded, who thought of money going in and out, profit, how much money is coming in versus how much money is going out. Mm -hmm. The Shudras had no particular trade. They had no particular skill. They did manual work. They were like the pawns in a chess uh, game. Right. So these were the four. And then they said, okay, whoever has the... Um, qualities of being the sattvic qualities, sattva, rajas, and tamas. Mm -hmm. So sattvic qualities are those to be equanimous, calm, peaceful, um, having the abilities to think higher, to be able to uh, have um, academic kinds of thoughts. Those people became Brahmins. They studied the scriptures. They taught the scriptures uh, to others. They worked besides the king and gave advice. Mm -hmm. The Kshatriyas were the ones who were the kings who ruled the company because they were leaders, they were action-oriented, um, and they were warriors. They protected the country and they protected society. The traders were the ones who brought money in from other countries, from trading with other places, etc. And the Shudras were the ones who did all the manual work and everything else. So those were the four uh, gunas and uh, the three gunas and the four caste system. So uh, that was that would be very important to understand. Now, I don't remember the names, but Gautam Jain used to give us a an example of a boy who was born of a uh, a, um, a prostitute, um, somebody, a woman of ill repute. Right, uh, it should be the better way to say it. Um, she didn't know who this boy's father was, and, but he was an extremely bright uh, boy and very intelligent, and he said, I want to join Sage uh, Arishi uh, in his school, because in those days, there weren't public schools. You picked Arishi, somebody who was a learned person, and you went and you stayed in his home, but you had to be a Brahmin to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say Brahmin, again, the caste system is not something that you're born into, somebody that you are honest, equanimous, bright, and have those qualities. So he went, he said to his mother, I'm going to go to the sage and see if I can join his gurukul, his uh, school. And his mother said, he said, so what name should I give of my father? 
And she said, son, you know what kind of a life I've led. I've not hidden any secrets from you. So I can't tell you. I really don't know who your father is. So I can't tell you a lie and mm -hmm. tell you a wrong name for your father. So he went to the priest, uh, to the sage, and he could have made up something. He right. could have made up a name, but he didn't. The sage says, well, who's your father? What's his name? And he said, sir, I would like to join your Gurukul. I would like to study under you. I will work hard. But to be honest, my mother said she doesn't know the name of my father. I don't know the name of my father. But that doesn't preclude me from coming to you. And the sage says, well, then you are a Brahmin because you were upfront. You are righteous. Right. You told the truth. And you didn't hold back for selfish reasons. You are a Brahmin. Welcome to my Gurukul. So this is proof. And this was written way before even the Gita came about. This was written in the Upanishads that, that at such a point when this was made as a story, I don't know if it actually happened, but as a story to tell people that the caste system is based on a person's qualities and not based on um, where he was born. People bastardized this as time went on and used it for their own advantage. So you said, well, I'm a priest, so all of my children and my grandchildren would be priests also from right. the Brahmin family. That's how they made it for their own personal benefit, but that's not how it should be. It became a social system. or It became, uh, unfortunately, became a social system, which yeah. is one of the reasons why India got into so much difficulty and is in so much difficulty, but it's getting better. Yep. So, friends, thank you very much for joining us for this particular episode. Um, I hope you go to Facebook and look at The Gita, Memoirs of a Psychiatrist, and I hope you comment on this. It would be really helpful to me in knowing what you like and what I should address, and any questions you might have, I'd be happy to answer. Lou, anything else? Do, I, do we talk about the podcasts here? Not Just go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcasts if you want to listen to them audio only. But the Facebook page, the Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist, we can interact. You can see the videos, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.